This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey friends, welcome to a new episode of the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast. Today is going to be a little different. It's really not going to be about marketing at all, even though I'm pretty good about turning everything into marketing. So maybe I'll find a way to do that. But today I'm just getting real about a topic very close to my heart. And I will get into that here in just a minute and give you some background on why I'm sharing it. I actually just did this talk to a local group, the Tangipaho Professional Women's Organization a couple of weeks ago. They only gave me 20 minutes to talk. And if you know me, you know that that is not a lot of time, but I'm going to do my best to try to essentially kind of duplicate that message, even though I don't really have to stick within the 20 minute guideline, but I'll keep it simple and just really hit the important things. But I want to first give a shout out to our sponsor, our good friends over at RepairPal. Thank you for providing this episode. As shop owners, we were part of RepairPal's certified network. And you can learn more about RepairPal at RepairPal.com forward slash shops. I have to say that I'm used to talking about marketing, right? I'm used to being a speaker in front of small, medium, and large crowds where we're talking about social media or websites or SEO or ads and and all of that kind of good stuff. But I've never really been asked to talk about life stuff. And that happened recently. And it just so happened that there's been a message that's been on my heart for a long time that goes back to like, I'm looking at my notes here to get the date right. I think it was like 2005. Um, we were shop owners and I was burning, what is it, burning the the fire, the candle, whatever, at both ends. One evening, I came rolling in on two wheels to pick up our son from daycare. He was three years old. And um, if you're a parent then you and you've picked your kid up from daycare, then you know what I mean by pulling in on two wheels. It was 5.59 p.m., right? And so if you're late, we had to pay $5 a minute. And I needed every minute of my day to get everything done that I needed to do. And so that's why I was pulling in on two wheels. And I pulled in, I pick him up, three years old, you know, the little sweet little boy voice. And we get in the car and we're on our way home. We only lived about maybe seven minutes um, from his daycare. And from the back seat and his little car seat, he says, Mommy, do you have one of those meetings again tonight? Well, immediately it hit me that my three-year-old was figuring out that his mom was a busy lady. And I knew what the real message was. And that was that he was missing the time with me. He did not want me to be away from him that evening. And when you're talking about a three-year-old, their bedtime is like, what, 7, 7.30, something like that. And so I'm picking him up at 5.59. There's not a lot of time left in the day for me to spend with my child. And so I lied to him. He obviously doesn't remember this conversation. He was three years old, but I've never told him that I lied to him, but I did. I told him that I did not. And I certainly did. I had a meeting that evening. I don't remember what it was, but at the time, being the shop owner that Brian and I 
were at the time super involved in the community. I was a member of three chambers of commerce. I was in a BNI group. I was in Chicks in Business. I was in Women Business Owners Network of Cary, the community right there near where we lived. There were multiple charity organizations that I volunteered with, and I was probably in the middle of three committees for planning events. Like There was so much on my plate just trying to get our name out in the world. And so I told him, no, Pumpkin, I don't. I don't have a meeting tonight. And so I didn't go. I did not fulfill my commitment that evening. Came up with some reason for not going that I told them why I couldn't be there. And I spent the evening with my family. Never a bad thing to do. So the next morning, I get to the shop and I pretty much clear my plate. I came off of multiple boards of directors, committees, planning groups, all this kind of stuff really just started from scratch, cleared all of that because I knew that I was not prioritizing what was important. And so fast forward, you know, you guys know our story. So I'm not going to go through everything about closing the shop and bankruptcy and all of that, but I am going to fast forward to four or five years down the road when we We're back in business again, had moved back home here to Louisiana, and I found myself back in the same situation. Totally obsessed, overfilled plate, doing all the things, but not giving the attention to my son that I needed to. He would probably tell you that he had the best childhood and great memories, probably doesn't remember the things that I'm talking about, but I remember them. And here we were in bankruptcy trying to do business again. And so I'm again involved in all the things. And I realized when, I don't know if this will make sense. Maybe some of you, maybe you mamas will identify with this, but I literally remember seeing myself. I remember feeling like I was watching my own life movie. I was moving at such a high pace, so busy, so overwhelmed, so overscheduled that I was watching myself. And even Brian didn't know this until just recently, but that was probably the closest moment in my life to what I always heard of as a mental breakdown. I remember a moment where I said, just get in the car and go and just come back whenever you feel like it, but just go, just get away from all the stuff. And in that moment, I don't even remember what was happening that brought it to my attention, but I had a moment of aha, where I just realized you've done it again and you've got to fix this. And so around that same time, and this is actually um, probably the moment that it happened, but My cousin, Rachel, invited me to a local church, a big, big, big church called Church of the King, where one of my favorite, 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 a woman in Christian ministry, uh, Lisa Turkhurst. If you want to look her up, she spells her name funny. So it's L-Y-S-A-T-E-R-K-E-U-R-S-T, Lisa Turkhurst. Amazing very transparent, very vulnerable, um, incredible woman of God who is 
an incredible author, a speaker, a business owner, like she does all the things. And so she was speaking and I went to that women's night and in the middle of the whole evening, there was a pause and I went out and I was looking at the table where her books and all these CDs and things were for sale. And there was a book there that she wasn't even promoting because it was an older book. And I should have had it right here for those who are watching this on video somewhere. I could hold it up. But this book just spoke to me from laying on the table. And the title of it was The Best Yes. And and so I picked it up and I kind of flipped through it. And something just told me, buy this book. You got to read this book. And so I did. And I immediately started reading it. And let me tell you, it was life altering. It was the book, so really not a moment, like I was saying, but that time reading that book that opened my eyes to so many things. So here's some of the lessons that the best yes taught me. I'm a high-achieving, high-performing, like I get things done. And in so saying that, people often would ask me to help with this event or this project or join this committee or sit on this board and... The book helped me to realize that, number one, I could say no to things. And you can say no to things and maintain your dignity and still honor and respect the people while also honoring and respecting yourself and your family. And so it gave me the language to say no and permission to say no, because yes was a problem for me. I said yes to everything. I was often overwhelmed and just going in all the different directions and The other thing that the best yes taught me was that every opportunity that would be presented to me was not necessarily for me. People just may have said, oh, Kim would be great for this. But in reality, I wasn't the person that God intended for that particular task. And by me saying yes, I was essentially stealing that opportunity from someone else who was going to do that job better than I who was going to just really do a great job with it. Here I was trying to do everything and not doing anything well because everything was getting a portion of my time when I should be learning to say no respectfully and take on the things that were really intended for me to do. So I'm going to tell you how I figured that out here as we move forward in just a few minutes. But I learned to say no. I learned that not everything was intended to be for me and that I was stealing the blessing that someone else might be getting by my saying no and them being given the opportunity that I was given that wasn't meant for me. So the best yes made a huge, huge impact on my life. Um, This was, again, our son is 20 and he was around seven years old. So it's been like 13 years ago and I'm still talking about this book. It's that critical. I also remember just being in an identity crisis. So I'm backing up a little bit now to when we had our shop. The name of our shop was Peak Automotive. Obviously, my name is Kim Walker. People would call me Kim Peak. So not only were they associating my biz- our business, our shop with my name, but I kind of took that on as well. And my entire identity became wrapped up in our business. And there was a time when, again, at another women's Christian women's conference, I even have the notebook still. It was called Faith Builders. And they had us open up to the first page and 
put a big square. And then in the middle of that square, put another little square. And they had us write the words child of God in the middle square, where normally you might think you're going to put your name if you're talking about your identity and who you are. Um, We put child of God. And then they said, let's just take five quiet minutes. And we want you to just write every word that comes to your mind that speaks to who you are as a person. And so I spent the five minutes and there were things like mom, wife, friend, daughter, sister, all of these kinds of words. And at the end of the exercise, they asked us some questions. And from those questions, I derived that my identity had nothing to do with my business. So it was a big eye-opening time for me. We were really pushing hard in the in the shop, really trying to get out there. And so for me to have that kind of abrupt realization that I am so much more than just my business, I suffered for a long time with that whole realization. And then I realized a few years later when we actually closed our shop, that was all preparation from God two years prior, because when we closed our business, it was in an unbelievably difficult, sad, challenging, angry, all the feelings, all the emotions. When we closed our shop, it was really traumatic for me. I had thankfully separated myself before, two years before, from doing that that exercise, but I kept finding myself throughout life getting overwhelmed, doing all the things, performing, achieving for other people while I was not giving time to my family. Our friends at RepairPal are making today's episode possible. Don't lose work to your competition. Today's consumers check pricing during all stages of the repair process, before, during, and after. Did you know that 81% of them do online price comparisons before making a purchase and customers that check your price after they've already authorized the work do so after calling the competition? But RepairPal, the largest auto repair network, has a solution. Their fair price estimator tool can be put on your website to help you build trust with consumers up front to demystify price, help educate consumers about what's involved in the repair, bring you higher web traffic, and prevent your customers from calling your competition. You have to be in it to win it, so head on over to RepairPal.com forward slash shops and set up a call to learn more about becoming RepairPal certified. When you sign up, you'll get one month of service free and save $150 off certification. That's RepairPal.com forward slash shops. I've been doing a study in the book of Nehemiah because of two things. One, I don't remember when this specific verse popped up, but several years ago, Nehemiah 6.3. It's the time when Nehemiah had his heart broken for his people and was preparing to return to Jerusalem. And he went back and was rebuilding the wall after the city had been demolished and was preparing for his people to come back. And so he's up on this wall and his, let's say, enemies, right? The ones who didn't want the wall to be built, they were trying to distract him from the very important job that God had given him. And they kept trying to coax him down for this very important meeting. We need to meet with you. We need to talk about this, whatever it might be. And so 
from the wall, he looked down at them and because he knew he had enough wisdom to realize they were trying to distract him and that he needed to stay focused on this role that he was doing. And he looked down at them and Nehemiah 6.3 says that he says, why should I come down? Why should the work stop? He talks about how important this role is for him. And it's just impacted me so greatly because I liken it to parenting, to being a mom. There's one unique role in this world that I've been given, and that is Peyton's mom. He can't have another one. I am his mom. Brian can have another wife. He won't. (laughs) We're doing great. Life's awesome. My mom has another daughter. My friends have other friends. Do you see where I'm going, moms? My only unique role in this life is Peyton's mom. And I have been very vocal and outspoken about the incredible amount of pride that I have for our son. I understand that we were given an incredible gift. He's pretty remarkable. Peyton, if you're listening to this, turn it off because I don't want you to get the big head. (laughs) But no, in all seriousness, he's really amazing. And we're very lucky with what we were given. But I also know that we've done a really amazing job of keeping God in the center of our life and our family. And we raised him that way. And it's not lost on me that we've done the hard work of parenting. And so in saying all of this, my role was distracted. I would go off and do this thing and I'd go off and do that thing when you know that time passes very quickly. My pastor recently said that looking back 18 years seems like a moment. Looking forward 18 years seems like a lifetime. I hope I got that in the right order. But it's really true. Here we are. Our son is 20 years old and it seems like it went by just like that. Whereas when he was born, I'm thinking, oh, we still have 18 years. We still have eight years. We still have, but it passes so quickly. So Nehemiah 6, 3, where he says, why should the work stop? I'm doing a great work. And so I want to encourage moms, dads. Yes, your shop, your business, your job, what you're doing is important. It's how you supply for your family, but do not let your family be sacrificed for things that you should have said no to or distractions that will take you away from the unique role that you've been given in being that parent. And so fast forwarding a little bit, I was in that whole best yes world where I'm really focused on really saying yes, that my yeses were yeses, my noes were noes, being respectful about it, but knowing that the yes that I was giving someone was my best yes. So I'm in that whole phase of life uh, where I'm making changes and really reprioritizing things when I decided I had no idea what my purpose was. Why did God create me? What am I here for? And so I talked about the best yes, but another book that I really love is a book written by James Myers. He's a pastor, and he's the husband of Michelle Meyer, Myers, who helped found an organization called She Works His Way. The book is called My Life Purpose Guide. It's only like $25. It's a small spiral-bound workbook. 
And so I ordered this and I went through it with a group of people, actually with James, he led the group. And I kept in the beginning of it and in the middle of it, I'm going through these exercises where I'm like, this is so silly. I know all this stuff. This isn't giving me anything that I don't know. (laughs) Ironically, that is your purpose should be familiar to you. So I'm going through and I'm filling out the workbook and I'm digging in and I'm praying and I'm really trying to figure out all the answers to these questions they're asking. And in the end, what came out (laughs) was so obvious to me that I'm like, I cannot believe that I had to go through all of that when my purpose was staring me in my face. So you might be wondering, well, what is it? What is it? When I tell you, you're going to say, well, of course it is. That makes perfect sense if you know me. My life purpose is to teach, connect, and serve, and in so doing, share my faith story. What am I doing right now? I teach. I teach classes. I serve my community. I serve the automotive community. I serve my family. I connect. My nickname is Queen of Connections. Those are the things that I do. I was built and made and created specifically for that purpose. The reason why I'm telling you this is because when I paired the My Life Purpose Guide book with the best yes, I'm now able to look at every opportunity that comes my way, every ask, every offer, every single thing that is presented to me. I stop and I ask myself, does this align with my purpose? So when I'm asked to join a committee or sit on a board or do this or do that or whatever it might be, I literally, the litmus test for me is, is this going to allow me to teach, to connect, or to serve? If it doesn't, then my answer is no. My answer is no. And if it does allow me to teach, connect, or serve, then my answer is yes. And I know it's the best yes that I can give that person. And I also know that because it aligns with my life purpose, that I'm going to love doing it and I'm going to put all my heart into it and I'm going to do a great job. So I hope that that encourages you. When our son was younger, I wanted all of the time that I could get with him because, you know, people ask, they ask Brian and I all the time, what did we do? What parenting tips do you have? And really, there's two things. One is that God was the center of everything and we really value that. That's really the big thing. And the second one is that I made it very clear from the choices that I made and the way that I communicated that I was his mom, not his friend. I know there are so many parents in the world today who are trying to be their child's friend when what their child really needs is a parent. And so for me, that's not easy. We are friends now right? He reaches out for advice and to talk about different things. I'm not really in that role necessarily of telling him, this is how it's going to be. Here's what you need to do. There's a, a shift happened. And so when he was a child, God was the center of everything, but also I was his mom, not his friend. He has plenty of friends, plenty of friends. He needed his mom. And so those two books are really, really a huge part of who I am today, and how I've been able to prioritize those things. I want to, while we're talking about that, there's another piece of this story that 
is really important when it comes to kind of the second part of his childhood and parenting and making good decisions and all this. And lots of people have heard me talk about this on a personal level, and I feel like this is a great time to share it. So I want to encourage you. I'm not telling people what to do. This is my story. It's pretty remarkable for me anyway. So when our son was around 10 years old, our pastor was preaching one day, Pastor Devin, and he said, quit praying for your kids what you see for them. Start praying for your kids the way God sees them. Well, the only way that you can do that is to ask God, how do you see my child? For us, we saw our son as very artistic, very engineering-minded. He used to draw things out, and then he would build a model of it. He used to take Nerf guns and take them apart and then put them back together, but this part from this gun went on this gun, and he would basically remanufacture these Nerf guns so that you know this one, maybe it didn't shoot as powerfully because it was missing this internal part that this gun had. So he'd pull it together. And he was just very mechanically engineering-minded, very artistic, really quiet. That's how I saw him. So when our pastor said, you need to be praying for your child what God says about them, I kind of took it a little personally, got a little salty. And I'm like, I know my kid. What are you talking about? So the next morning, I am on my way to a business meeting. I'm in my Yukon driving down the interstate, and I am having a church right there in the vehicle. And I'm just singing our worship songs, and I'm praying. And and so <laughs> I remembered the message from the day before. And so I just really in prayer was like, God, okay, teach me about my own kid. I'm really kind of cocky. And I'm like, how do you see Peyton? What do you see that I don't see? And I have a terrible memory. I don't remember almost anything. There's entire vacations in our life that Brian will talk about. And I'm like, we never went there. So when I tell you these three words, it's because I had a moment with the Holy Spirit. I felt that presence in my vehicle and very clearly heard bold, confident, and outspoken. And I'm like, mm, no, Lord, you talking about a different Peyton Walker. You're going to need to come back to me with a different, that's not him. And one more time, very clearly, bold, confident, and outspoken. And so I'm super emotional. It was a very emotional moment. So I call Brian and I'm like, hey, remember that message yesterday? I'm telling him what had just happened. And so being the supportive husband that he is and his own experiences with the Lord, he was like, okay. So I started that very day when our son was like 10 years old and he's now 20. I started praying for those three things. And I would just walk by his bedroom door and I would touch it and I would pray, Lord, just give him an opportunity today to, to, to see, to be a witness to what boldness looks like. Give him an opportunity to practice it. You know, one day it would be about confidence. One day it would be about being outspoken. So one day it would be about all of them. One day it was nothing. But for years and years and years, and if you asked our son today, what was your mom praying for you? He'd tell you, bold, confident, and outspoken. So remember that I said he was this super quiet, really kind of shy, more hand, mechanically, artistic, all of that. Well, little things started happening several years later where God would say, did you see that? That took confidence. Did you see that? That was bold. 
to fast forward and not spend 40 minutes going through everything that happened, our son started making really bold choices that impacted his life and where he is now. If you had told me 10 years ago that our son, who is an artist, a little mechanical guy, very quiet, that he was going to be a soldier, that he was going to be a cadet at West Point, (laughs) I would have laughed you out of the room. And that's where he is right now at this very, very moment. It's 9.07 on November 30th. He's in class, sitting probably in Thayer Hall at West Point. What? I would have never believed that for a second. The only way that happened was, I would say, a praying mama who said, God said this about you. God said, you're going to be bold, confident, and outspoken. At some point, I know when it was, he put that fire in Peyton's gut, in his heart, gave him a vision. So this is where you're going to be. And he started making decisions to do the work, to complete the process, the application. So it's an incredible, incredible and very terrifying thing to put yourself out there and to ask God to show you what he sees in your child. He created them and her. And ask God to show you your child through his eyes. In all of that, I'm going to leave you with this. If you're friends with me on Facebook, you know everything about my life. I'm one of those super transparent people, and I would tell you that I live unapologetically with purpose, and I am one ridiculously proud mom. Does your child know how proud you are of them? Like, do they really know? If not, maybe that is what you should be focusing on right now, is find the thing or the multiple of things. And maybe you are proud of them, but you need to say it more. You need to put it out there more. You don't have to be as crazy as I am. I understand. I've been told multiple times, you really are proud. What's the alternative? Really, what is the alternative? I want my son to know how much I love him, and I want him to know how proud I am of him, because we've built that relationship so that when times are hard, he feels comfortable to reach out. And so focusing on the best yes, figuring out what your purpose is in life so that you can be sure that you're prioritizing all of the important things. And you know what? When you put those things first, I don't know how to explain it, but God makes time for all of the other things without doubt. It just happens. I promise you. Do what is important. Focus on the unique role that you have been given in this life. You figure out what that is for you. When you do this, your tribe will rally behind and around you. When I needed encouragement or prayer about something, I had a tribe of friends who were coming along every step of the way in our life. And if there are people that, you know, like, you know, they say haters or, you know, they have all these negative things to say, brush them off, brush them off. They're not your friends. Focus on living unapologetically with purpose and passion. Figure out what is your best yes. Figure out what your purpose is and align those. So I hope that this has really, really helped you. I want to just leave it. I know there's been a lot of faith stuff in here and that is just part of who we are. 
But I want to leave you with one more thing. I was talking about Nehemiah, and literally this morning in my devotional, I read the very last verse of Nehemiah 1330, and it said, Remember me, O my God, for good. And what that is screaming to me is all about legacy. What is the legacy that you are leaving? Is it a legacy of work? Is it a legacy of love? Is it a legacy of fill in the blank? I want to say, if you've made it this far and you've listened, if you are curious about the book, The Best Yes, and the My Life Purpose Guide, I would love to gift it to you. So the first three people that email podcast at shopmarketingpros.com, email me your name and your mailing address. I am going to order those two books for you and I will get them sent out to you. So first three people, email podcast at shopmarketingpros.com. So I hope that this has resonated with someone. Thank you so much for listening to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast on Aftermarket Radio Network. There are some other great shows on the network and you can find them all at aftermarketradionetwork.com or on your favorite podcast listening apps like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many others. You can also connect with us on just about any social media network that you are using. Just do a search for Shop Marketing Pros. And then, of course, please, if you are enjoying our podcast, go give us a rating on your favorite listening app. And if you have topics that you would like for us to cover as it relates to marketing and your repair shop, shoot us an email, same email as earlier, podcast at shopmarketingpros.com. Tune in for another episode next week. Until then, go fill those bays. You've been listening to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast with Kim and Brian Walker. Follow the podcast on your favorite listening app. Find their emails in the show notes and visit them at shopmarketingpros.com. Let Kim and Brian know what you want discussed because they're all about advancing the aftermarket.